Welcome to the Black Doctor Collective Podcast. We as Black doctors are in a unique position. We can change our communities, healthcare, and the world. Of course, we start by changing the way we see and value ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Shanika Horn, pediatrician and physician coach, travel extraordinaire. I am so happy to have you here and listening. So let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Black Doctor Collective podcast. Y'all are going to have to bear with me. I definitely have a full head cold, and so you've been granted my nasally voice. I was going to record it yesterday, and I wasn't feeling great, and I was like, I'll just record it tomorrow when I feel better. However, I sound significantly worse today than I did yesterday. And the podcast posts tomorrow because sometimes I procrastinate. So we're going to get into it. There are two times a year that trigger reflection automatically for me. New Year's, which I think everyone, and my birthday. And so today's a special episode because this is my birthday week. By the time you hear this podcast, my birthday will be Wednesday, April 26. Yes, I accept gifts. My favorite is usually chocolate. Thanks. Okay, so as I celebrate another year of life, I wanted to take some time to reflect on the lessons that I've learned. So grab your cup of tea or coffee, or in my case, Sudafed, and get cozy and let's dive in. So my reflection started last week. Currently, I'm working in an outpatient clinic and I have an intern with me, and he asked what things he should focus on Or really, like, what should he know to be successful? And of course, I started rattling off all these clinical points before I realized there's so many things that I can teach him that are not medical knowledge. I think we automatically focus on medical knowledge because, in a sense, it's easier to teach and we're so exam-oriented. But there are social skills and personal skills that we should learn as medical students and as interns. And so I'm going to start with my first lesson, and that is goal setting. I've really focused on the importance of setting my old goals and markers for success. As a young doctor, early career physician, however you call it, I realized that it's essential to have a vision for my career, like a vision that I set that includes obviously achievable goals that align with that vision. So prior to becoming an attending, most of our goals were set for us. And I can't even remember if all of these things were set explicitly. Like I just knew that there was pressure. I had to pass all my exams with a certain score. I had to do everything right the first time. And maybe they were said explicitly. I don't remember now, but everyone I knew was on the same path. And I think that's part of what makes medicine hard or seem harsh when you have a failure is that it's you're now, of course, from everyone else, you know, and because your measuring stick is other people, you're much more likely to notice it and have negative emotions regarding it. So as an attending I was like, okay, I need to break this habit, like this pattern, this way of thinking. At some point, of course, you know, I was 
looking up and realizing that time is continuously going and I wanted to do all these things to enjoy my life and I wanted to develop my social life. And so I hadn't been able to do that throughout medicine. I know some people were fortunate to meet the loves of their life, their partners, have children, do all these things. I was not. So for me and for people like me, I think it's important to set goals for yourself for your entire life. And so when you're creating your career goals, the beauty of being able to create your own goals is that you can align them with the overall vision you have for your life, which is what I've done. For example, I currently work as a locums provider. Everyone knows this. I'm doing pediatric outpatient right now. And the locum lifestyle I love because it allows me to have a flexibility that I didn't have before and that I was really seeking. And so last year, we know I only worked seven months. I traveled to six different countries in between my locums assignments. Um, I basically took as much vacation as I like, and I still do that. I write the time off that I need into my contracts. You know, that the the locum's lifestyle allows me to constantly renegotiate my rates and my working terms. And obviously that's not something that works for everyone. But for me, without a partner, without a child, without having that responsibility of being in a set place, even though you can do locums locally, you don't have to travel. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be paid for travel. So it was the ideal thing for me. So whatever your goal is, whatever your plan for your life is, your job should match that. You're not supposed to be catering your entire life to your job, which is what we have done all wrong. And I feel like this is something that I really like learned and appreciated after training. So I would also say it does apply to students and residents. It applies to anyone at any stage in their career. If you're in training, you need to set your own personal goals. I tell this to the students that rotate with me, the residents that rotate with me. Like, why are you here? Yes, you're here because you need to pass your rotation, but also what are you looking to gain out of it, right? So those things are important. The other thing with creating your own metrics is that you decide what is a success and a failure. And if you are deeming yourself a success and you are monitoring your successes, I think that contributes to reducing imposter syndrome. If you're always looking to achieve some external goal, you may often fall short especially if the goals are set for and by people who don't have the same vision for our lives that we have, right? So lesson one, goal setting. Lesson two has been turning inward and embracing self-awareness. I think there's so much importance in this. I think as black doctors, we often face unique challenges in the medical field from systemic racism to microaggressions sometimes macroaggressions, and it's crucial for us to recognize the impact of those challenges on our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. Part of learning to work as our own measuring stick is that it requires us to become more self-reflective. So you can't set goals without evaluating what you want, what makes you feel joy, what isn't working for you. I always harp on therapy and coaching. 
because I know what it has done for me and others around me. And there are tons of books, but that only takes you but so far. We have to convert reflections and lessons from books into actionable changes. Otherwise, you just read a book or maybe a good book, but that's it, the end. So having someone guide you, having accountability, setting goals out loud, sharing it with others, having others to validate your internal thoughts or challenge your internal thoughts, especially the ones that are harmful, are all really good, helpful ways to grow. And those are the true forms of self-care. So I know self-care is such an overused term. It's really mainstream right now. It means everything from like boa bass and chocolate to boundaries. But really self-care should be more holistic in the way that you care for yourself, your body. And I remember I started in residency with trying to make sure like I ate well during a 24-hour shift. I tried to like honor my bladder's request to be emptied. I tried to take rest as I could. I remember putting up affirmations on the wall just to try to give myself some positivity in the call rooms. I would bring in my satin pillowcase. My mom bought me a heated blanket. Like there wasn't a lot I felt like I could control about my schedule, but I was really conscientious about impacting my immediate environment and doing things that I felt like had immediate impacts for me. And so just the concept of trying to take control in even small ways at any stage is important. I talk a lot about fellowship and how I learned to say no a lot more. And I realized, you know, it was so important to ask for what I wanted in my roles and responsibilities. And in asking, I was fortunate to get it, right? And obviously, if you're interested in hearing the whole story about my fellowship and how I got the role of my dreams, that's in previous episodes. I believe it's the first episodes of season one and two. Um, Obviously, it's in the podcast descriptions as well. Um, But yeah, just learning to ask for what I wanted, getting what I wanted, and then post-fellowship, taking a break. And that's a its own separate podcast episode also learning how to take a break what to do during a break things like that so the ways that I took care of myself then are very different to the ways I take care of myself now now like I said with locums I make schedules that allow me to focus on my work with the black doctor When I work clinically, I only do so part-time. I also make sure to rest on weekends, which I have three-day weekends every week because as a rule, I've decided I don't work Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays. And so I got so good at setting my own goals that I know countries are still evaluating the merits of a four-day work week, but I've already made that transition. And I make sure that I get paid what my work is valued I continue to take off as much vacation as I need. And so being a locums and practicing that way supports the self-care things I do for myself, which is standing up for myself and asking for what I want and what I need. I've created that life and I can afford to do it because of the job that I chose. So, you know, I've said it before, but I recently just came off of a six month sabbatical, if you will. And I mean, really, I was working on the black doctor and working on coaching and working with coaching clients, but a sabbatical from patient care. And so, you know, that was something I needed to do, right? I needed to take time 
to focus on my own ventures, to do things that's fulfilling to me, to work with my mentees, work with my coaching clients, um, to focus on myself and travel and be with my family and spend time with my partner and all of that. So there's, you know, self-care is ever evolving, but whatever stage you're at, there are things that you should be doing for yourself. And part of that requires that you reflect on what your needs are, what your goals are, what your vision is for your life. So a lot of self-reflection. Lesson three is recognizing that everything is not about me. And that's kind of like as a continuation of the theme of self-care. I do a lot of work like therapy and coaching, like I said, to minimize the effects of drama that's around me or, or outside of me, but that sometimes affects me. And so I take a lot of time to think about what's happening and recognize that everything that happens to me is not always about me. I think as black doctors, we encounter many situations where we face discrimination, bias, mistreatment, like I said, micro and macro aggressions. And it's crucial to remember that these experiences are not a reflection of our worth or abilities. Generally, they're a reflection of or like a result of systemic issues that exist in the medical field and society at large. So I've learned to separate my identity and value as a person from these external challenges that people are putting up to me. And that allows me to approach a situation differently. It allows me to have self-compassion, right? Because it's really not about me. It's about the other person. It also allows me a broader perspective The more self-compassion you have, the more or the easier it is to externalize compassion and to offer it to others. And so paying attention to not centering yourself in every moment and not asking all the time, why is this happening to me? And why is this person doing this thing to me? And recognizing everyone has their own internal motivations, right? And most of the times people are unhappy and they're trying to figure out a way to make themselves happy. And it's usually not even about you. Lesson four is that I've learned that communication is one of the best skills that you can develop. It's one of my favorite skills. I think effective communication is not even is not only important in patient care, but obviously it's important in navigating relationships and advocating for ourselves and creating positive change in the medical field. So I've spent a lot of time trying to hone my communication skills to express my thoughts and feelings really clearly and assertively and to actively listen to others. I think the part about expressing my thoughts and feelings stems back to the earlier lesson of self-reflection. You need to know what you're thinking and what's contributing to your feelings we all know thoughts create feelings, right? So if I, f- if I have a certain thought about something, it makes me feel bad or it makes me feel good. And so spending time reflecting on what thoughts I'm having and what feelings I'm trying to create for myself really kind of directs my communication. Um, a lot of times I have to decide, is it worth the discomfort of not saying anything, right? Because my thought might be, oh, if I do this thing, I'll upset someone. Or if I do this thing, I might get fired or whatever the thought comes up. And then it makes you feel scared or bad or unsure. 
So I have to be really clear about what's the end result and why do I need the thing that I'm asking for and and understand that it's absolutely worth asking for and that the end result has like requires me to actually take the action. So a lot of times, you know, communication includes internal communication, how you talk to yourself, what thoughts are happening. And then once you get that all sorted out, how you share that with the outside world. But everything you share with the outside world is a direct reflection of what's happening internally, which is why I say when things are happening, when people are doing things to you or things are happening to you, you have to recognize that it's a reflection of someone else's internal state but your interpretation of it is a reflection of your internal state. So learning communication, being reflective, all of these things are amazing for your personal growth, for your life, and they really contribute to your happiness and your joy. That's the true pathway to joy. Um, I, you know, because I assertively express how I feel, I'm really clear of my boundaries. I'm pretty good about expressing them. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all struggle. Okay. I struggle all the time. Sometimes I still have to give myself a pep talk to do it, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, I've essentially removed like being passive aggressive as a coping skill for frustration, because now that I express myself, I spend a lot less time being frustrated and a lot less time trying to hint at what I wanted to say. I just say things right. Obviously respectfully, professionally, if it's in a work setting, but they get set. So, uh, lesson five is cultivating a supportive network. I think everything is so much better with the support of a community. That's not the same thing as being social all the time. It's just developing meaningful relationships. Um, I think especially with the black doctor, I have had this amazing opportunity to connect with so many of you guys and to talk to you continuously. I get a lot of feedback. People message me, DM me, text me, whatever the forum in a meaningful way that isn't draining. I realize everyone's overstimulated. There's like a million alerts from Facebook and TikTok and email and messages. But for me, I have muted everything. First of all, my phone's like on do not disturb most of the time. And I have no notifications or alerts or sounds because I don't want to be overstimulated. And that way, when people do reach out to me and I check it on my own terms, then I can receive the support that I need and I can give the support that other people are seeking. Um, And so creating that network of other physicians, of friends, um, you know, a family that that network is invaluable and it's great for both personal and professional growth, right? I've learned to actively seek out mentors who share my values. I've actively sought out mentees that I can provide insight for and wisdom based on my experience. You know, I'm willing to be a mentor and support others in the community just the same way that I'm willing to ask for help and support that I need. Uh, most recently, even I, you know, I always think I can't take on another thing on my plate. I lie. Another black physician um, and I were kind of co-hosting a group. Really, she created it and she had asked me to be an admin on her Facebook group. And I um, 
recently took it over completely and I, I had to think about whether or not I wanted to do that right because I didn't want to take on a network it's over a thousand people that I couldn't really commit to and so what I've started doing is developing Saturday lives in that Facebook group it's for black physicians and it's basically to further the mission of sharing stories that help us further along on our journey and I think the reason it doesn't feel like extra work is because it's so attuned to what I'm already doing with the podcast and with coaching. And so it's not an additional thing so much as it's an extension of what I love to do and what I want to do, which is provide support to my community and be a contributing member of that community and have them contribute to me too. Because let's face it, if I'm doing lives about what I wish I knew with a bunch of guest hosts, I'm definitely going to be learning a lot of stuff. So lesson five is to really cultivate it, cultivate that network, reach out to people. Everyone always feels so shy about reaching out to others, but honestly, I've always had a really good response. Yes, it feels nerve-wracking in the moment, but most people are more than willing to help you. And also think about it in terms of yourself. Usually you're more than willing to help other people if they ask you. So if you feel like you need support in any way, I implore you, reach out. Reach out to someone you connect to. Reach out to me. I'm happy always to talk to people. But create that network, um, create it because you need it. So I think as you can tell so far, it's not just reflections and lessons, but it's lessons, but it's actions. So as I start my new year of life, I'm also releasing certain beliefs that no longer serve me. And so I want to share with you the five things that I'm letting go of and how it's transformed basically the outlook on my life especially as it pertains to medicine. The first thing I'm letting go of is ego. Well, I don't know if I'm letting go of it completely, let's be real, but I'm trying, y'all. As a doctor, I think it's really easy to get caught up in the expectations and accolades that come with the profession. Everybody's always like, rah, rah, you're the doctor, especially with my family. I just came back from a funeral last week. Unfortunately, one of my great aunts passed away. Um, which is where I got this cold from one of my cute little cousins, be your own people, y'all. But in being amongst my family, it was amazing how many times people told me that they were so proud of me, how many people referred to my profession as me as a doctor. That was like the topic of so many conversations. Like even people I didn't talk to in a long time, they're like, oh, this is the doctor. Like it's like a well-known fact. This is like my claim to fame in my family. And so it's so easy to like ride on the wave of, you know, other people's accolades and allow that to go to your head in a way and feel like you have this expectation. I think it's one of the things that weighed on me when I even first thought about taking a break after fellowship. It's one of the things that weighed on me when I thought about starting a coaching program because everyone expected me to be a doctor forever. And I am a doctor forever. Like clinical practice is not what determined me being a doctor. I I got the degree, I crossed the stage, I got the diploma. Um, But yeah, the weight of those expectations, right? So I think also doctors, I mean, we all know doctors have no shortage of pride or egos, right? But I think that ego leads us astray. 
and it shows up in a way that isn't really helpful. And I think about like clinically, you know, being the doctor and having this expectation of what it means to be a doctor, like we often pretend, right? I think, honestly, I feel like fake it till you make it is like, it must've come from one of us, I swear. But think about when you act like, you have everything memorized, right? Because your ego won't let you admit that you don't know. So I always used to joke in med school about attendings who you ask them a question and it's clear that they don't know. And rather than say they don't know, they'll tell you to go look it up and present on it tomorrow. And that's great. I mean, it helped me learn, sure. And obviously they're not expected to know anything, but I never felt like they were saying, I don't know. They were like, oh, well, you should know this and you should go and look it up. Like that was the attitude. So it wasn't so much in the spirit of like collaborative learning. It was like, huh, you don't know something. Um, and I also think about even now as an attending without, when I'm working without students and residents and when I'm working with other staff, like this pressure to pretend like you know the answer to everything, I think it's a significant weakness. And so I, um, and, and, you know, as trainees, weakness was penalized, right? So I realized that in letting go of my ego, it allows me to approach my work with a little bit more humility and with an open mind. And uh, I can, you know, acknowledge that I don't know something. I think I can, I can seek feedback and I can seek collaboration with my colleagues And so I've gotten really good about looking things up. Like it's not a weakness. And I also think it guarantees that I'm using the most up-to-date information because let's face it, the human memory is absolute trash. Why is it that I could say, oh, let me move this document and put it in a safe place. I'll remember that I did that. I remember where I took the document from, but don't ask me where that safe place is. Now I'm looking all over the house for this thing that I put in a safe place because our human memory is so fallible. And so if you recognize that that's just how the human memory works, like we're not any different from anyone else. We have gaps in our knowledge. We need to look stuff up. I think about all these older attendings that are still practicing on information that was released in the Jurassic era. Like, sir, don't you know that's no longer the standard of care and that has been proven to be like not even the thing since 1995? Like, what are we doing? So I think that's the new, that's the new wave of, of, uh, managing your ego and managing your practice is looking stuff up. Information is literally at our fingertips. We have the access. You can always check and see what's the updated guidelines. There's no way you can keep track of it all. And I think we need to recognize that. And that makes us a more compassionate caregiver, makes us a more effective team member. So, you know, there's just a lot of progress that we need to make. And part of that is releasing the ego. Um, the next release is releasing the idea that I'm a superhuman as a doctor. We face so much pressure to be perfect and to carry the weight of our communities on our shoulders, especially as black people, as black physicians. And I've mentioned this time and time again, because it's all of our experience, but everyone has learned to ignore 
their basic needs, right? Like we learned to ignore emotions. We were warned against showing emotions in front of our patients and families. We we're trained to tolerate abuse from everyone, nurses, patients, families, administrators. We mustn't show anger. We must remain professional all the time. We, you know, ignore our, we talk about this, like our urge to use the bathroom, our urge to eat because we have to complete something and that the patients come first. How many doctors eat through their lunch break? Like most of them, right? Like it's a thing people know, or they don't take a lunch break at all. They don't eat for the entire day. I've had shifts, 24 hour shifts where I came in at 7 a.m. and was eating lunch at 9 p.m. And the minute I put my first bite in my mouth, the phone was ringing and my pager was going off simultaneously. I could have cried, right? But we learn and are rewarded for being constantly responsive to everyone else's needs over our own. And so I learned that it is okay to acknowledge my limitations to ask for help when I need it, and to let go of the notion that I'm superhuman. I realize that taking care of my physical, mental, and emotional well-being is essential to providing the best care for my patients and to being a good leader of the team. And so I think by letting go of the superhuman myth and embracing my own humanity, I just become a more compassionate and resilient doctor. I become a better person. So the third thing I'm releasing is redefining weakness as, so I'm releasing the, the, the old notion of weakness, the weakness that says that we should hide our emotions. We shouldn't be crybabies. We shouldn't uh, be angry, you know, and, and showing that. And so emotions are not a weakness. It's not a sign of a weakness. I think Physicians often feel the need to suppress our emotions and put on a brave face in the face of all of our challenges. However, vulnerability and authenticity are strengths, not weaknesses. In order, if you listen to Brene Brown, you know, she talks a lot about vulnerability. And in order to be vulnerable, you literally need to be strong because it takes a lot of heart and a lot of courage to be vulnerable, to be authentic. And so, I know that it's okay to show emotions. I know it's okay to sometimes express my frustration. Obviously, I'm not trying to be harmful or detrimental in some way, right? But it is okay to express that I'm frustrated with something, that I'm fearful about something, that I have anxieties. I think it's okay to seek support from my trusted colleagues, from mentors. I think by redefining weakness, I have created a safe space for myself to process my emotions. And I, like I said, become a more empathetic, compassionate person and doctor. There's no loss, right? Like I've learned that there's an importance of embracing vulnerability and authenticity. I kind of like it now. (laughs) Um, You know, like trying to appear stoic and strong and invulnerable is exhausting. Like you want to talk about feeling worn out? Try to pretend that nothing is bothering you, that you have no needs, that you don't have emotions. Keeping all that stuff in is going to wear you out. You have to share your struggles and challenges, which is why I I really get fulfilled from this type of work, from sharing these stories on the podcast. We get to share our struggles and our challenges together. We get to talk about it. We get to kiki. We also get to share the lessons and that way I'm also learning lessons secondhand and not having to learn everything firsthand because learning everything firsthand sucks. Additionally, 
we are able to foster connection, better connection through being vulnerable, being showing emotion. People connect to us, right? They recognize the emotion within us that they themselves are feeling. And so it really supports the lesson of fostering a support network. You can't do that if you're not able to be open and vulnerable and share your emotions. So to have a more meaningful relationship, to have better connections, this is like a significant part of that. And the last thing I am releasing, is it the last? Nope, sorry, just kidding. I have two more. <laughs> well, second to last, the fourth thing I'm releasing is my fear of failure. I am letting go of the notion that I need to do everything right. Failure is something I do. It's not who I am. That's what my uh, coach said on a call today, actually. And I was like, yes, this is perfect for my podcast episode. It is something I do. I have failed. I'm not a failure, right? As black doctors, first generation, uh, everything's first generation college students, sometimes first generation med students, first generation Americans, me as a female doctor, we feel this burden of breaking barriers, of achieving excellence. And so I implore you to ask yourself, what have you made failure mean about you? I know in the past that for me, it has meant that I felt like I was a failure, right? Or that I was ashamed or embarrassed. Like there was a lot of struggle or the, and there was pain in that struggle. And so now I, I make failure mean something good. I look at it as an example of my resilience. I learned that failure is a natural part of learning of the learning process. It's not really something to be feared. All everything that I've failed, I've overcome already, right? I you continue on your path, then it's not a true you haven't failed as a person. You've had failures, sure. I I know that failure now can be a stepping stone to success. And actually it's a huge stepping stone because it provides valuable lessons. You have growth opportunities. And so by letting go of the fear of failure and be being more willing to take risks, you can learn from your mistakes. You can embrace new challenges. And that's how you grow. I think, you know, releasing the failure, releasing the notion of doing everything perfectly, releasing perfectionism, all those things in the end work out to your benefit. Look at me right now, sick. Well, I'm not that sick. I'm just really congested. But congested is all get out and recording my voice. Lord, if you told me I would ever record a podcast sounding like Miss Piggy, I would have denied it. Does Miss Piggy make a noise? I don't remember. I'm an 80s baby. Anyway, I have released the notion of perfectionism. Like, listen, y'all gonna get this message this week, okay? Whether I'm congested or not, the message still needs to be delivered. I even teach my medical students when they're doing their applications for residency on how to use their failures and how to talk about their failures as strengths and how to tell their story that's inclusive of their failures and do it in a way that really shows that they have learned from it that it actually is a positive thing because look at them still there, still fighting, still putting another foot in front of the other, still moving towards their goals. And so 
failure isn't what we make it mean. We need to change the meaning of it. We need to accept it as part of the journey and see what we learn from it and continue to move forward. Like I said, I have failed. It's something I do, but it is not who I am. I am not a failure. Final thing that I'm releasing. Imposter syndrome and comparisitis. I am letting go of this really bad habit of comparing myself to other people. I know I'm not the only one that compares. I'm not the only one that feels like she doesn't belong or that I'm not good enough. However, I learned that comparison is really detrimental to my mental health and self-worth. I know that I'm a unique person. I know that I have my own talents and strengths and contributions to make. And wasting time comparing myself to someone who's nothing like me or whose picture or story I don't even have a full grasp of is really pointless. And this is something, obviously, you know, that's an ongoing process. I think imposter syndrome happens at every level, right? Everyone you know has talked about imposter syndrome, no matter how successful they are, no matter what stage they are. The important thing is not letting it stop you and not letting it slow you down and not letting it consume your thoughts. Check yourself when you start to do a comparison. And it goes back to all of the things I said in this episode, right? So setting your own goals, being your own measuring stick, determining what your failures mean for you. All of these things, you know, being in touch with yourself, being reflective, all of these things will contribute to the reduction of imposter syndrome. And so, you know, spend time embracing your own identity, your voice. For me, it's using my voice, even this nasally one, to advocate for positive change in other people, in you guys and the listeners. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time obviously reflecting and reading and coaching and being therapized. Is therapized a word? We It's going to be a word today. Um, and so all of these thoughts, all these lessons, all of these things that I'm releasing, you know, have have been things that I've developed over time. So if you feel these things, don't beat yourself up. There's no need to add a layer of judgment onto what you're doing. I think it's enough to just observe. If you have a habit that you're trying to break, you don't want to add judgment to it. You just want to say like, this is what I'm doing. Okay. I see that. I see why I'm doing it. You know, a lot of those things are defense mechanisms, are security things. So don't, you know, give yourself a hard time, just let it go and figure out how to move forward. If you are interested in moving forward with someone, you think I might be the coach for you, I say reach out. I'm so happy to work with the clients I have right now. I'm always, I'm still taking on new clients, of course. And so that's something I think that's been helpful to me. And I think that's something that I can help others with is you know, setting those boundaries, being reflective, and in the end, getting what you want, you know, learning how to take as much vacation if you want, if that's your goal. If your goal is to spend more time with family, if it's to earn more money, there's so many goals, there's so many options that your life can take. And it's up to you to determine what that is with that self-reflection. And so when you are ready, 
and you need help to do that and you want to reset yourself and you want to reset your life, the Black Doctor Coaching Program is ready and waiting for you. So I'm going to get off so that you guys don't have to hear my sniffles. I will be feeling better before the next episode. But have a great week. Happy birthday to me. I'm really excited. I took the day off because of welcomes. And I'm going to the spa because that's the life I live now. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And what I want you to do next is write a review. I'm going to make this so easy for you. Just go ahead and give me five stars. But also leave a comment that tells me how we can be off the charts. I want you to link us everywhere you can. Instagram at The Black Doctor, The Black Doctor website to join our newsletter. Just become part of our collective. I want you here. Thanks. Until next time. Bye.